Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Welcome to the Marine Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle. We're all gearing up for the holidays here. You know, whatever I kind of holiday. I need some jingle bells. I need some jingle bells. Like, jingle bells. Yeah. <laughs> I need to find so I should run down the hall. I'm driving them. into the radio station. The traffic was really light because people are already taking off, that right? That too, or they're uh, saving the day because today is a Seahawks game oh. tonight. So maybe they're taking a little bit of a uh, oh. playing hooky. Okay, why wasn't I paying attention to the jersey you're wearing well, right yeah, now in the well, studio? Everyone, yeah, and everyone around here, it's totally fine. <laughs> well, I walked in, and because you guys are having a Christmas uh, contest or something, because all the cubicles are decorated. Yeah, there's a little bit of a competition between the stations here, so they all dressed up their oh. cubicles in uh, honor of the spirit. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's... I was distracted by the green and red, yeah. so I wasn't really looking at the white and blue that you're wearing right now, uh, but right. as soon as you mentioned the game, I'm like, oh, there's yep. a game. Uh, clearly, for our listening audience, audience i'm not a sports fan you know i i do go vicariously through me yeah and and my kids who (laughs) watch sports all the time like my oldest mariam and her husband alexi they flew to to uh Spain to watch a soccer game during the holidays. Yeah, they're diehard, right? Yeah. (laughs) So um, welcome to the show, everyone. Happy holidays. We hope that you're driving safely and that you're having a wonderful time. And one of the things I get to do on the show is interview people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought, you know, individuals who are bringing things into our consciousness that help us to expand, become more aware, more our authentic selves. And so today is one of those Gorgeous and beautiful days where I get to do that again. Today I'm interviewing Ransom Stevens. He is the author of The Left Brain Speaks, The Right Brain Laughs. A look at the neuroscience of innovation and creativity in art, science, and life. Very exciting, by the way. Really cool read. This would be an awesome Christmas present. So Ransom, uh, he is a physicist, a science writer, a novelist, has written hundreds of articles on subjects ranging from neuroscience to quantum physics to parenting and teenagers. You know, and I can't wait to have this conversation because I really love quantum physics. But I don't really understand it. You know, it's like I open up the book and my mind can go in there for a few moments and then I turn the page and I kind of lost what was on the other page. So one of the beautiful things about this book is that Ransom takes his time explaining science in a way where we can all understand it and allow our consciousness to expand. So Ransom, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Marie. It's really a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. Lovely. So you've written hundreds of articles for all kinds of magazines and and different requirements in your wonderful work. Is this your first book that you've written? This is my first full-length work of nonfiction. I have two novels as well. Oh, Oh, gosh, I can't wait to read those. Because when I was reading your book, I thought, I bet you are a great um Nonfiction, I mean, fiction writer. I, I was like, oh, oh I bet, you. because you have so much detail in the stories that you're explaining to help us figure out how to move our neurotransmitters in a different way. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's one of the goals. You know, you should check out The God Patent, my first novel, because there's a lot of quantum physics in it, and I do make it 
pretty simple. Oh, thank and, you. <laughs> and it's wrapped in a plot. You know, I really think that wrapping things in a plot make it a lot easier to digest and more fun. And, you know, if you want to go to a lecture, go to a lecture. If you want to kick back and enjoy something, then, you know, that's what reading books really, in my mind, should be about. I, I agree. So when I'm when I'm reading your book, one of the things that comes across to me is how much you love humanity, that you have, you know, great respect and awe of the human race. And, and you also feel this devotion to help us all, you know, kind of get out of our way, so to speak, so that we can allow all of our brain to be positively effective in our lives. So, so what kind of, I mean, is that true, this kind of, you know, assessment that I have of you and in, in your desire to help humanity? Wait, you were talking about me just Yeah, now? I was. <laughs> oh, uh, uh. well, certainly the latter part is true about, you know, trying to, trying to um, help people get out of their own way, mm-hmm. certainly trying to help myself get out of my own way. And, you know, if you can feed that back to the other humans, then all the better. Right. But, yeah, seriously, there is, you know, authenticity and, um, and seeing, seeing the bigger picture. I think timescales are really important. This isn't, by the way, this little bit isn't actually in this book. But <laughs> timescales, you know, we, we perceive life in, at different levels at different timescales. Second by second, for the most part, we don't really have any problem. In this second, I don't have any problem, right? But on a month, on the scale of bill paying, there's a lot of annoying problems. On a scale of a season, three months, you know, they they just look different. On a scale of a decade, problems Mm -hmm. change completely about what's Mm -hmm. important and what's not. Wow. I think that, that can help people a lot, but it certainly helps me get out of my own way. Right. And and so um, in your book, you talk about how it's really important for us to allow our creative juices to flow, you know, learning how to balance this lovely interaction between both sides of our beautiful brain, and that it, really we need to act more like children in some way, you know, to have that those creative juices flow. Well, all we really do is create. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what our brains do. They create reality for us. And you know, we're limited to these five senses. So we have these inputs. And they're kind of narrow bands, right? You only see a tiny bit of the electromagnetic spectrum. And so, you know, we, we have this, this perspective, but our brains are really good at creating a reality around it. So within that reality, when we have challenges, yeah, it can really, it can really make a difference if we back off and observe without, without um, going ahead with, with, um, you know, I use the word prejudice because that's really what it means to prejudge something. Right. But going through without letting your preconceptions, the, the ideas that you've had all your life, trip you up. And that, you know, mostly, for the most part, our preconceptions really help us out. That's why we have them. They got us here. But when we face new challenges, then sometimes they can get a little bit in our way. And we got to just, we got to back off and look and listen. Right, and not, and not think that there's only one solution, that there are yeah. multiple solutions to any problem. And and you recommend, like, telling a story or doodling or getting really creative when you're solving a problem. Well, so, right, right. There's lots of ways to change your perspective, and perspective is a very helpful way to look at, look at problems, um, like the different time scales, mm-hmm. but also just... I use great big sheets of paper and whiteboards so that so there's plenty of room to scratch on, you know, to draw interrelationships between things that, that are bothering me. 
for, you know, things I'm working on or anything I might want to innovate, create, where the pieces fit together. There's lots of different ways to solve the puzzle. Now, we do tend to, or the way our brains are designed, the way natural selection made us, <laughs> is that you know, it's like it's a consultant's dilemma. You, you can have it good, fast, or cheap, pick two. And natural selection, of course, went with fast and cheap, <laughs> where fast helps you survive, and nature just likes things efficient, which is cheap. And so we do tend to latch on to that, that first idea, whether it's the best or not. And um, subconsciously, you know, we're really good at abstracting. Um, and so consciously, we can, we can dial that back a little bit and just take, take a moment and, and collect more ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite tools that I use that helps, at least I, I believe it helps my brain to get out of a certain pattern of, well, this is the only way it's going to happen. You know, I can't see through the forest, so to speak, a resolution that I, w- that I would like. You know, I, I, I feel somehow trapped in that prejudice that there's only going to be one solution for me. And so I will start to ask myself, what if questions and get curious? Well, what if there's a completely different outcome that's possible regarding this situation? I just literally ask that with my mind, either silently or out loud. And I'll ask it maybe all day long. And I can kind of feel with each moment that I ask the question, it's almost as if light starts to emerge in my brain a little bit more. I even notice myself getting excited or less stressed and anxious about the outcome that I really don't want to choose, but I think is the only possible solution. And then within, it, it could take a couple of days. It could take a couple of weeks. It could even take me a month, depending on how stressed out the situation is and how locked in my brain is to this one solution. And then all of a sudden, I start to get ideas about it. But it's almost like because I've relaxed through through just being curious about it. Relaxation is really, is really I think, a great key to about everything right, innovation and stuff. But stress also plays a different role. But this, you know, this what-if process you go through, mm-hmm. you know what that means, don't you? No. Mm-mm. You're going to start writing novels. Sorry to tell you. You're gonna, <laughs> you know, the what-if process, that's how you come up with plots. What if oh. this happens? What if that? Oh. And then as soon as you get one that, you know, trouble ensues, there's your plot. Oh. So that's-, oh. <laughs> that's fascinating. You know, I mean, I've only written nonfiction, only one book, so... Uh, I've never written fiction before. So, okay, well, that's fascinating. And so, and then you have lots of tools that, you know, so what's one of your favorite tools in your book to help people get out of that stuck energy? Well, so I, after I wrote um, this, the whole first draft of, the, of this manuscript, you know, it was a big mess. And, but all the ideas were in there. All the research was, was finally on the page and in some order that it would end up changing a lot. I, you know, I took a very selfish look at it and tried to figure out, okay, this is great. What does it do for me? And what I was really after as, as a novelist and a scientist was, well, how can I be more creative? How can I, how can I be more innovative and, and work towards greater discoveries, both, you know, in life and science and art, right, mm. in the subtitle of this book? Mm. And so I put them together, and I came up with, you know, I, I hesitate to call it a strategy for innovation, but I don't know what else to call it. It's kind of like juice in the process. Mm-hmm. And it goes, you know, it's you know, it's a 230-page book. And I'm not going to read it to you over the air because the Seahawks <laughs> are playing. They're all very excited about that. They are excited. Seattle gets really excited, yeah. 
Yeah, I've been a Seahawks fan ever since they left the AFC and weren't rivals of the Raiders anymore. (laughs) Anyway. Well, you just made the Seattle audience very happy. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Richard Sherman. I really am. I'm Uh, sorry to say I don't really know who that is, but um, because I'm not a sports fan. He's a brilliant, blistering, loud, obnoxious cornerback. He's really Yeah. Yeah. Benny knows. Oh, yeah. He's He's just smiling over here. Yeah. So here's the thing. This yeah. is what I think. This is a, a, a sort of a juice of process. Okay. Is that when you face a challenge or a desire to do something, the first thing you have is stress, right? Because if there isn't stress, you wouldn't be thinking about it. Right. There's got to be some novelty or thoughts just don't make it up to consciousness. So the stress is, is important, right? Stress gets a bad name, but it's key. You're not going to do much without it. True. So now you have this thing in front of you. Say you're, um, you're Michelangelo, and you've got this big chunk of marble, and you're wondering what to do with it, right? And you think, well, I could cut it into 10,000 bookends and sell them on the streets, right? Speak <laughs> to Rome, make a fortune. Love or, it. or I could make the perfect human being. I could carve David. But man, one miss of the chisel, and I'm screwed. <laughs> so here's your problem, Michael. Angelo, <laughs> is you settle down and you think about, you just put all of the information you can about your challenge into your head, everything, but mm. do it in a way that is not searching for the solution. Just try to cram your brain full of everything you know and everything you can find out about this challenge. Just fill your brain with it. And, and the idea is you're going to fill up your brain and you're going to let your brain do the work. Mm. you're not going to do it consciously at first that's going to come later you already know how to do that and you're going to do it later you just got to wait so then you got all this information in your brain and then you got to go and and relax you have to defocus so you start by focus with a slightly different type of analysis where you're acquiring the information without without um judging it and then you need to defocus and the reason is pretty simple, um, and you know this. We all know this intuitively, that, that people, you know, there's so much more going on in our heads than we're aware of. And let's mm-hmm. give you a, a, a nice example. You walk into a room, and somebody you love is there, okay? Your kid, your, your partner, your dog, whatever, somebody who is significant to you. And of all the things you're aware of when you see this person, one, the thing that you're not aware of is what's actually happening that light's reflecting off of this person, going into your eye, bouncing around your rods and cones, going down your optic nerve, and being processed into, into very sketchy images that are then connected to emotions and past experience and, you know, dot, 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 until bang, all this emotional juice and, and affection for this person you care about, which is what you're actually aware of. And it's a deeply abstract processing of mm-hmm. what actually is going on in the room. So the idea of creativity is now that you have all this information that you've fed into your brain, let all those pattern recognizers work on it for a while because you're really good at recognizing patterns. That's what people do. We immediately see something, we file it into a category. And the more categories we have in a really broad sense, the more educated we are. Mm-hmm. The more categories, right, it's the... The unterdolt is someone who just sees everything as either 
black or white or on or off. Right. And, the you know, the ultimate genius is somebody who has, you know, a separate category for every possible perception. Right. This dude doesn't get much done, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's hard to choose when you have that much creativity going on. You know, a, well, when you have that much, you know, it just takes takes too long to think about things. If, yeah. if you have to find the nuance of every single thing that you encounter <laughs> yeah. to understand it. Right. Right. Some things just are round, man. It's round. It doesn't you, need to be, you know, maybe it's spherical. Maybe it's elliptical. But, dude, it's round until <laughs> it needs to be something else. Right. So the answer needs to be round, too. So, so <laughs> you also say silence your tendency to predict results. So, you know, we tend to do that. Well, this happened, so that is going to happen. And and you're recommending we don't do that. Yeah, so this is the next step, right? Now yeah. you're defocused. Now you go, and and by defocusing, you're no longer predicting what's going to happen, at least not consciously. And so now you go away. You go to the Seahawks game, and you yell at obscenities. You are the 12th person making the noise. And <laughs> You're the 12th person you know, making the noise. I love it, yeah. <laughs> You're totally absorbed in what's going on. This challenge that you're working on, well, your brain's still grinding away at it while your consciousness is grinding away at beating the lamp. And then after that, after the game, you come back, you settle down, you know, you wake up the next morning, the hangover's not so good, you write it out. <laughs> All that tailgating. Oh, yeah, tailgating is good. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like the Oakland Raiders parking lot on a Sunday morning, even that's even when they were 0-10. You know, that's hysterical. The parking lot good. That's good. Yeah, I've never tailgated. Yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah, I must oh, be. Oh, man, yeah. we're going to get you down there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a cultural experience. It really is. It's a such a hugely diversified crowd. It really is in Oakland, and it is in Seattle, too. Now, there's some places where it's not as diverse, but it's an amazing mix of people getting along. Oh, you know, and they're rough and tough and full of bluster, and they're really, they're really getting along really well for the most part. Oh, for you know, a group of forty thousand people, they're getting along pretty good. <laughs> That's always refreshing and a, a lovely experience for our heart. No wonder we have so many great sport fans. That's great. Okay, so so we're we're silencing our tendency <laughs> to predict results. Yeah. So now after the game, you come back, your brain's been grinding away on this. You filled it up all day long with this information. You go to the game, you goof off, and now you come back, and the next morning, it is time to really quiet and listen. Mm. Okay? Because by now, your brain has had time to put the pieces together. Mm. And you're not conscious. I mean, during the game, you might get a few ideas. I, um, a couple of weeks ago, the Raiders played the Panthers, and I was in line to get a beer, and and I had an idea. I just had to cut away and write it down in my notebook and, you know, lost the opportunity to pay $13 for a, for a, a <laughs> beer. <laughs> what a tragedy. And then the thing is, so now, now the ideas are there. You have to trust the process a little bit. If it doesn't work, you can try something else later. And you go and you have to be quiet and listen. And this is where, you know, I know it's, it's probably not the first thing that comes to mind to the, to the rabid 12th person in the stand. But meditation is a really good way to shut up and listen to your own brain. Yeah. Because what happens is now if you can quiet down and clear your brain the way meditation can help you or a walk in the woods or whatever it is that you do to settle down, now you can shut up and listen. And the trick here is not to latch on. 
because what will happen is that a whole bunch of ideas will just start boiling up from all those all those pattern recognizers that solve puzzles. They'll just start boiling up, and you'll start getting ideas, and some of them you're just going to want to jump up and go and implement because you're like, oh, here it is. Here's the solution. i got to do it. But don't because there might be better ideas going back to what you were saying earlier. Mm. Is that just sit and listen. Don't write them down because you don't want to engage with any. You just mm. want to let them boil up. Mm. And they will. And sit there and listen to your own brain as long as you can. I have a painfully short attention span, which is probably why, you know, my book is amusing and funny. I just don't have it is, it in me to, and you have great to, illustrations too, which is all, oh, you what like are, those? oh yeah, they're humorous. They're great. I really like them. Yeah, yeah. I, I agreed in a, in a fit of confidence born of ignorance. I agreed to illustrate the book myself. Oh, you did. Oh, you did an awesome job. Wow. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that was going out in the left field. <laughs> and, and so, so you let all these juices flow. So you don't. Don't grab the first one, and because your brain has a stockpile, is what you're saying. You've, you've taken time out. You've allowed yourself to detach from the thing that you're most worried about or concerned about, and and now you have this flow of creativity, and it needs to come forward. And so, don't attach to the first thing that comes. Is what you're saying? Right, right. Let them come because what your brain is doing is what it does best. It's solving puzzles. And when we solve puzzles, we get a blast of dopamine. It feels good, you know. That's why people do jigsaw puzzles. I mean, what a waste of time. If you want that picture, <laughs> Seriously. Print, I know. Actually, I was just at one of my dear friends' house, Amy, and I, I, I'm not a puzzle person, you know. And I walk into her house, and on the dining room table is this huge puzzle. And it's so complicated. It's like all the colors are kind of the same. And I look at her in just complete shock. I mean, I think it's cool. She's very smart, and she loves to do stuff like this. It's good for her brain. But I was stressed looking at it. I was, I just, I needed a beer, you know, in that moment. <laughs> I was just, oh, my gosh. It was terrifying for me when I looked at it. So I agree. Go get the print, please. Frame it. <laughs> put some lacquer on top of it. Do whatever you need to do with it. And then she told me she finished it, and then she took it apart, which horrified me even more. I mean, because that means she's going to pull it out in a few years and do it all over again. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so the brain likes to solve puzzles, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah, well, it's solving them constantly. Every time you come upon an object, whether you've seen it before or not, your brain has to figure out what it is and put it in a category before it's of any value for it to, you know, whether or not it boils up a conscious thought. Your brain's doing this constantly with everything. So let your brain do that with this challenge. Don't grab the first thing or don't. Just sit and listen as long as you can, you know, and I can usually make it 18, 20 minutes before wow. I'm just too excited to get up and, and then. Wow. And then the next thing, though, is to then go and then write down all the, pro all the, all the ideas. Wow. And I recommend using a huge sheet of paper, a whole bunch of different sheets of paper, post-its or index cards, or, um, you know, you can do it. Uh, you can do it with, with different software apps where you can sketch things. The trick, though, or I don't know if it's a trick or not, but being able to move them around and find inter, inter, interrelationships between the ideas. But now, after that, now you've got a whole bunch of different possible solutions, different approaches to the challenge. Michelangelo 
you know, has an idea of, of the pose he wants David to be standing in. He's got concepts of what he's going to do, how he's going to change it if, you know, if there's fissures inside the marble that force him to make modifications. Mm. And so now you've got all this and you're back because this is what you're already good at, right? In the West, I don't know if it's true in the whole world. Right. I, I know it's true in, you know, in, in Silicon Valley where I spend a lot of time. And it's, true in, <laughs> it's true in India where I've done some classes. But wow. we're, you know, we're really good at working hard. <laughs> we are. So we already, we already know how to implement ideas. We already know how to judge them. We already, we're really good at saying this is a good idea and this idea sucks. <laughs> but now you've got this list of ideas. Knock yourself out. And quite likely, you know, that there's, there's an approach to the challenge. You've got one. You know, this, is, this is, um, can be a very, very efficient way to work, even though, even though it includes, you know, three, four, five hours of yelling obscenities at, <laughs> at, the, Los, at the Los Angeles lamp. You know what you write that I think is interesting, and this is something I've noticed in my own kind of decision-making. I haven't really allowed myself to have 20 minutes like like you described. I think that's an awesome idea. Sometimes I think we grab that first one. We're so excited to just get the relief that we got an answer. We grab the first one, and it's really not the best decision. It's It's just the beginning of really good choices. But I have found that the ones that actually get me uncomfortable are probably uh-huh. my best choices. So... Like, like, I know they're a good idea, but then my, my mind doesn't want to embarrass myself or, or, or get someone in trouble or whatever my brain is telling me. Like, I have some sort of emotional discomfort with a really good choice, but my, my person who wants to be a good person and doesn't want to make mistakes doesn't want to do that one, you know? And so I've found that the ones that make me the most uncomfortable are, my be- are many times the best choice for me. Wow, yeah, getting out of the comfort zone. Doesn't that suck? Yeah, yeah it so sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> but it's it's because I think the mind, you know, is it's trying to protect us. Really, it's trying to keep us small in some instances. And so the things that are uncomfortable aren't even real. It's not. It's just an illusion. Yeah, isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like parenthood, you know? It's like parents, the tendency of parents, is to want their children to be safe and secure. They want them to have a nice, high-paying, but boring, safe job. <laughs> I don't. I don't want that. Safe things in, right. in safe neighborhoods with safe houses, right. all in a pursuit to not have to worry about them. You know, but in, you know, they, they also want them Good to be point. happy and, to, and successful and excited, but they don't want to have to worry about them either. There's this crazy balance. And somewhere, you know, somewhere between... Having, you know, realizing that the solution is something we don't want to do and, and implementing it, there's, you know, responsibility with a capital R that, you know, being that. I always think of um, the woman who exposed Enron the, and the women who exposed WorldCom and MCI, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back in the early, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here you've got this awesome job. Right? You're making good money, but huh, you're working for criminals and they're doing <laughs> bad things. So you have two choices responsibility-wise. On the one hand, you can say, well, you know, I, I can't lose this job. I've got responsibilities. i got a right. house, a mortgage. i got kids to take. i got cars right. to pay for. Blah, Health blah, blah. insurance. 
Yeah. Right. And on the other hand, you can say, I got to say something. I've got a responsibility. Right. You know, and boy, I really admire those those people who did that. You know, in in most cases, it it was women who've been the whistleblower. Mm -hmm. And I know, I mean, most, of course, most of the boards of huge companies are made up of women. So it would be, but wait, no, they're not. They're a tiny minority, but they do tend to be the ones who, like, call the the guys on. On their staff. (laughs) Yeah, their staff. That's the word I was after. Right. So I am thoroughly enjoying your book, and we just want to remind our listening audience again, the left brain speaks, the right brain laughs. A look at the neuroscience of innovation and creativity and art, science, and life so that we can make really, really good decisions and be authentically happy. And I loved your story about the parent because you're right. I want my kids to live in safe neighborhoods. You're absolutely correct. I want them to buy the house that's in the safest neighborhood. Even if they're not happy, I kind of don't care. I want them in the safe neighborhood. (laughs) So you're absolutely correct, and your insights have been amazing today. It's just been a lovely honor to interview you, and we're just at the peak of all of the wonderful uh, stories that you have in here and the tips and the techniques that you have, and I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and and sharing um, your information so that we can all live happier and freer lives. Oh, wow. Thanks very much, Marie. You're welcome. And um, happy holidays to you and your family. Give your wife a hug for me, a former oncology nurse. Give her a hug for me and tell her thank you for all the work she's done in the world. I will. Right. I will absolutely do okay. that. Thank, thank you. you so much. And uh, we're going to take a break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We'll be right back. Ten thousand miles to the pouring rain just to see your face. Have you ever wanted to learn about the anatomical function of a chakra and have a greater understanding of how it functions? Well, check out Marie's latest course, Divine Energy Medicine. This two-day intensive course will educate participants in reading the health and vitality of chakras, organs, and the physiology of the human body. Participants will learn how to energetically read others and how to hold their energy to create a health and wellness for themselves and those they touch. Join Marie March 25th and 26th as she dives into divine energy medicine. Visit her website, energyintuitive.com, for more details about the course. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
Having trouble picking up the alternative talk 1150 signal? Well, whether you live in Portugal or Puyallup, Tasmania or Tacoma, India or Issaquah, you can get alternative talk 1150 programming streamed live on your computer via our website, 1150kknw.com. It's true. Just visit 1150kknw.com and click on the Listen Live button. Make sure you have an audio player installed that will play streaming MP3 audio such as Winamp, iTunes, or current versions of Real Player or Windows Player. Visit our website for more details. Remember, that's 1150kknw.com. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question, and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed John Herlosky for a discussion about the amazing results obtained by himself and others who practice remote viewing. On Saturday, the happy medium Jody Levon returns for two full hours. In hour number one, we will talk about her new book, Speaking the Language of Intuition. And in hour number two, she will be taking your calls for spirit messages. Bringing you fascinating talks since 2007, we are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 11. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Ese amor llega así esta manera. No tiene la culpa. We're dancing here in the studio to the Gypsy Kings. I saw them last summer, so 2015, with a bunch of girlfriends. We danced all I bet night it was a long. Blast. It was outdoors in Woodinville. It's a uh, hip shaking. Oh, it was amazing. Burning it was, calories, getting it all Everybody done. was dancing. We yeah. all danced all night long. It was amazing. They're fabulous entertainers. Um, it was just beautiful. So thank you, Benny, for bringing that back. I think I'm going to go get a CD, and we're going to be playing that for the holidays in the house and get everybody dancing around while we play board I games. I just make you one here. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Great. Um, but, yeah, thank you. <laughs> got it all right here in front all of me. All right, it's like awesome. Thank you. You're so sweet. So welcome back to the show, everyone. And, uh, again, we thank our lovely guest, uh, Ransom Stevens, for his efforts in helping us to get out of our head. And we're going to go ahead and take phone calls. We're going to listen to callers and hear their questions. And, uh, you know, one of the things I do as an intuitive, why I don't want to know anything uh, when, when people make an appointment for me, their, their first visit, almost 100% of the time, not always, because sometimes I, I sneak into the emails and I may read a little bit about somebody. But my assistant, Justine, answers all the phones and answers all the emails and sets up all the appointments. And uh, of course, because I need her to do that to help me. But also, I don't want to know about anything about a first-time client because I want to go in cold. I don't want to have any prejudice or I don't want my brain to come to a conclusion. And most of the time when someone's coming to see an intuitive, and of course my primary job is to move energy, not just read the energy, but move it so that people can move in their lives in a more productive way. When that happens, I, I want to, I don't want my mind to make a decision. I want some 
clarity. I, I want this openness and this expansion. I want to have a spontaneous um, awareness to come forward. So I, I think that's what we're talking about here when we're getting out of the way and we're allowing ourselves to have different ways of looking at things so we can have better solutions, be happier people, and fulfilled authentically. So who do we have on the phone line? Uh, sure. And before we do that, let's give out the number uh, so everyone can join us. We have a, f- a few lines open. So 877-825-8828. Ooh. That's 877-885. Pardon me. 877-825-8828. A <laughs> lot of numbers in there. Uh, Jessica from Arizona. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Good. Excuse me. My voice. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. Oh, that's okay. You're doing great. How's Arizona? Um, it's beautiful, actually. It's gorgeous right now. We're in the 70s. Oh, I know. It's like the best weather in the in the late fall and winter there, right? It is. It's beautiful. I was in um, Phoenix one year to give a talk at a bookstore, and it was actually freezing. It was so cold, and I didn't bring warm clothes. And it, I mean, it was colder than it was in Seattle. So you guys get cold fronts every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, we get weird cold fronts, but for the most part, it's beautiful this time of year. Yay, that's lovely. So what can I do for you? <laughs> So I'm calling my husband is 36 Mm -hmm. and he was recently diagnosed with what appears to be young onset Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're kind of in that, I was listening to the whole conversation, definitely that stress phase and research stage of all ideas. And we're definitely, I'm a family nurse practitioner. Oh, awesome. He's very blessed. And a pipe fitter. We are very, um, you know, just taking, trying to take it on healthy lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding the harsh medications and I guess just any sort of guidance. Right. And, and, and healing. And have you had just one neurologist diagnose this or have you had a second yes. opinion yet? Yes. I and I have... actually wasn't present because uh-huh. it just, it just wasn't. It just didn't there, work but... out. Yeah. Yes. I, I would have a second opinion because it feels like to me it's more of a syndrome you know, than the actual real diagnosis. Uh, although I don't know a lot about the young um, diagnosis. I, I don't, you know, most of the Parkinson's, well, all of the Parkinson's people that I've worked with in the past were older. So yes. I, I don't know the actual, you know, difference in the diagnosis. But there are syndromes where, you know, diseases look similar to certain diseases, but there's something unique about it, right? Yeah. Right. So I would recommend having a second opinion because I think that's really a good idea. Um, of course, and with your medical background, I'm sure it'll be enormously helpful when you can be there with your husband for that conversation, right? I think that'll be amazing. So I'm going to tell you what I think, what I believe is like the emotional cause of Parkinson's, let's just say. So I've looked at diseases for years and years and years, and I've developed an intuitive perspective of an emotional connection to a disease, to disease processes. And, and definitely there are unique emotional processes to different diseases. So Parkinson's disease is connected to control. So people who tend to be controlling, and it doesn't mean that they are, they don't have to be externally controlling. They can be internally controlling, but they control themselves. They're not maybe very flexible or they don't allow themselves to be creative or they jump to quick, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So in a sense, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this together with my husband because he's very like just positive, kind of open, nice. Mm. He's very anxious. He is anxious. Mm. Mm-hmm. He does jump to conclusions uh-huh. quick, like very anxious type person. And and kind of methodical in his approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of 
controlling when you're methodical and you kind of do it the same way or you have a, a pattern, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, okay, that's what works for me. So this is what I'm going to do all the time. And so when people get a disease that takes their control away, like Parkinson's disease, yeah. you know, you lose part of your, your physical control of your body, right? And, yeah. and so it's trying to teach individuals um, to, to stop being in that control place. So I think, because this is a very early diagnosis, by the way, very early yeah. is what I'm being yeah. told. And that's why I want you yeah. to get a second opinion too. Maybe even a third opinion. Why not? Why not, yeah. right? Um, is, is, be, is because if he can start to be more creative, we can get his neurotransmitters to refire new chemicals. Yeah. A different process in his brain. And I would have, you know, I, I think it would be great for him to find an energy worker and have them start working on his spine, his uh, central nervous system, the fluid in his spinal column and his brain to start working on that so that we can get a different energy system. Because I think what's so great about you guys went and checked this out really early is that the sooner people actually kind of figure out what's going on with them or get an idea of what's going on rather than ignoring, you know, symptoms, yeah. then they can actually start to energetically change it very, very quickly. Oh, <laughs> somebody's ready for Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I, I also just, I actually, I, I, I really feel strongly don't get caught up in this diagnosis. Please don't, you know, cause it, it may not be correct. Does that yeah, make sense? I'm, yes. It's just a, it's initial from being a healthcare worker, looking at his symptoms because he sure. had an old torn rotator cuff in that shoulder. And, you know, I initially sent him for peace of mind. Oh, there's no way. <laughs> you know, course. and yeah. so it's kind of, oh, there's no way. And then the neurologist, you know, and but now looking at his symptoms, mm-hmm. a lot of things do fail. add up. Yeah. But I would go yes. for a second opinion. And and the brain is powerful. Once the brain starts to change, and I mean when you start to allow it to change in a positive way, new things can happen. And we are on the verge in humanity to not 100% listen to what our physicians say to us. Because yes, which what, is amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> physicians hold a lot of power in, in Western culture. We've given them way too much power. And, 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 if, and at the same time, I'm grateful and humbled by the work that they do. And, and medical science in itself is, is incredible. But we should never give any one person power over our own lives or the path that it's going. It's really critical. Yes. And, and that can change the, the way a person heals their body, how much power they give to their physician versus how much power they give to themselves and their ability to heal is certainly important. And as that happens, as that begins to change in our world, then actually humans begin to heal faster and and physicians and medical people begin to become our cheerleaders rather than yes. the doomsday sayers, right? Yes. Which is kind yes. of how medicine works. Uh, yes. it, not everyone, not every physician, but in a generalization, that tends to be the way that we look at things. So, and, and it would be really helpful for your husband to get happy. I know you say he's optimistic, but when I read his energy, he's actually inside his conversation to himself is critical and negative He's in a bad spot right now. He's in a very bad spot. True. But when I read energy, I don't just look at the moment. I look at the the history because I need to find the patterns about what a person, how they typically run their energy. And my job is to revamp that pattern. And so I, I'm not just looking at the moment. 
I'm looking at his, his historical. He's very nice to other people and very polite and kind, too polite, actually, in a way. But when, yes. it, when it comes to himself, he's highly self-critical. So he, that's something I would start working on him right away because that can change huge chemical compositions in his brain and start to have his body have a different experience. Yes. Okay. Okay, thank you so You're much. You're welcome. You so thank you much. for calling. It was a lovely thank conversation. You. And have a great day. Thank you. We're all going to send love and light to you and your family and your husband's neurological system. Certainly will. 877-825-8828 yeah. is the number for the Marie Manucherry Show. If you're just tuning in, 877-825-8828. And we're taking your call. Jill from Westport, Connecticut. Hello, great. Jill. Hi. Hi, Jill. How are you? Oh, um, well, a little nervous. Are you really? Yeah. Is this your first time calling in? Uh, I called in once about three years ago. Oh, and how did that work out for you? Actually, really, really well. Oh, good. So let's go for uh, a home run here. So so what can I do for you? Well, originally I was calling about, I'm making a decision about my, which health insurance to purchase right now. (laughs) And that's Uh, what you want help with? Well, I wanted to see if there was anything that I needed to be aware of in terms of my oh, health no. to make that selection. But now <laughs> I'm opening it up to being a little broader. And Could you? Whatever general you want to tell me, I'd love to hear. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is, um, uh, of course, you know, we have health insurance, you know, we're required to have health insurance in our in our country, which is good and, uh, you know, kind of interesting. And, of course, most of the money that I spend for my own personal health care has nothing to do with anything that my insurance covers, you know, which I find interesting, which also keeps me really healthy. So I would keep that in mind when you're choosing a health plan is that if you tend to be someone who spends money more out of pocket for your health and wellness, then you might want to choose a health plan that is going to cost you know, an arm and a leg. So you can go and have some cranial sacral work more often or whatever else you do to help your being be really healthy. And I know we're improving in that in that way and when, when we look at insurance, but it's still, you know, kind of a, a situation. So now you just want a, a general reading, right? Yeah, please. Well, I drew out your energy and I'm happy to report you're absorbing a lot of subatomic particles. So you've got a lot of energy moving in your body. This is a high energy time for you which is fantastic. So when we're in this type of situation where it's just maybe spontaneous or maybe something really good happened in our life, but you have that tendency to think negatively, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) you look at a situation and you tend to go, oh, oh," you know, stressed out, which I highly recommend that you read this book, The Left Brain Speaks and the Right Brain Laughs, because you need to find (laughs) ways to get out of your negativity. But with your energy this high, I would really work on manifesting. I would sit down And ask yourself some what-if questions. What if I was aware of what truly turns me on and gets me super excited? What if I was aware, deeply aware, of the genius within me and what would make it incredibly happy? I I want you to start focusing on that curious question because you have so much energy moving in your body. It's not going to be difficult for you to come to a a huge awareness, a deep understanding of something that you have no idea about that turns you on, lights you on fire, and gets you excited. And then once that comes into your awareness, and you might feel uncomfortable about it, by the way, but that doesn't mean you don't allow yourself to go there. Just be okay in the discomfort of, oh, my gosh, I can't do that, or why would that be good for me, or whatever. Um, (laughs) And then I want you to use that high energy to start feeling that it's in your life, that 
it's a daily part of who you are, that you are grateful and excited. You're in a really good place. And I think this high energy, it can last forever. It's completely up to you. But definitely the next couple months, I look all the way into February where you could potentially lower your energy. I'm, you know, if you start doing some of the things that I'm suggesting, you won't lower your energy. Um, but you've got two good months of really high vibrational energy. Wonderful, wonderful. I know, right? So um, don't waste a moment of your time being negative. <laughs> Seriously. You're right on the money with that. I do yeah. have one last, okay. one last little tidbit. All right. Um, I know that I feel a lot in my fifth chakra. Uh-huh. a lot of energy there and that actually is one of the things you pointed out to me and mm. I was wondering if you see anything in terms of any of my chakra systems because I've been working with them a lot well at what I said before you are absorbing a lot of energy in your body which is great so when I draw out your energy I always draw arrows to look for absorption and leaks because those are important and it helps me understand how a person's moving your energy and I only drew Absorption, no leaks. So your wow. your chakra system's looking awesome. You're in a really good space. Take advantage of this time so that you can propel uh, yourself to a, a larger, more effective, fun experience that's permanent for you in your life. Permanent. Wow. Yeah, you want to really Thank take you. advantage of this. Yeah. Don't waste a time being negative. Don't waste a moment. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Have a gorgeous day in Connecticut and happy holidays. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great call. I know, right? I love that call. So so I want to talk about a few things today because, um, you know, I know I've been a little political on the radio. That's not going to change, by the way. I'm going to continue to be positive and political to the best of my ability. And, you know, the electorals are going to be voting on Monday about whom they think should be in office. And, and of course, they are expected to vote for Trump, the person who won the electoral votes. But we do have a clause in our Constitution that says, which was created by our forefathers, by the way, and there's a lot of media attention about this. You've probably read a little bit about it, positively and negatively, about the electorals. But they're going to go vote. They're going to go to their capitals around the country, and they're going to vote either for Trump, which you know is, is highly likely, or whoever they want to. They don't even have to vote for Hillary Clinton if they don't want to. And that's when the final decision will be made. When our current vice president, Joe Biden, will read the results from the electorals, I believe, in the first week in January. So we actually have an opportunity that maybe some electorals might change their mind. They're called faithless electorals when they do that. However, in our Constitution, it says that they can um, in case there's a, a moment in time when someone wins the electoral vote who may not be the best person to be the president of the country, which I firmly believe clearly by the things I've been saying that we are in that kind of a situation. So I have a recommendation since we have this incredible opportunity. There's a lot of media about it. It's an it's a moment in time where things could potentially change. Or if we get enough electorals even switching, you know, from the president elect to whomever they choose to write in, it, it sends a clear message that we need to get rid of the electoral system, which would be the best thing that we could do for the United States anyway, and begin to make the, the choice of president by popular vote. That only seems correct. Um, it's not the same as it was back in the day where uh, we were so we, we weren't didn't have a lot of populous areas, and so we created electoral votes so that everyone would be equally represented. And it's not like that anymore. So um, we don't deliver our votes by the Pony Express. <laughs> so so we need to make a change. So what I'm recommending that over the weekend, I know it's Thursday, but over the weekend and on Monday, 
is that we all say a prayer, that we begin to pray for our country, that whatever is in the highest good for the United States, whatever is in the highest good, that we allow that to happen through the process that we have currently going on. And so we're going to put um, a lovely prayer. It's kind of long. You can create your own prayer, but I'm going to put one of my favorite prayers. I've been reciting this prayer in different ways for 30 years, actually 35 years. And we're going to put it on my Facebook page. Um, Marie Manu Cherry um, is the Facebook page. And um, so if you want a prayer, you can print that off. It's kind of long, but it's really beautiful. And we're going to use it for the United States. And and in the prayer, it's not going to say, oh, this person should be the president or this person shouldn't be. It's not going to be like that. I think when we pray in a way that's really effective is we get out of the way and we allow the magic of the divine to come in and do what's ever in our best interest, which we don't always know what's in the best interest. It could be something that we wouldn't even think about, just like how Ransom Stevens was talking about how real situations that can have great outcomes, your brain doesn't come to that solution right away. It needs space. So, But prayer is very, very powerful. And in fact, Benny, when the veterans went to North Dakota mm-hmm. to help, which a lot showed up, like almost 5,000 veterans, than, right? like it was expected, too, and which th- is fantastic news. And thank goodness all the GoFundMe people that donated money because mm-hmm. they needed transportation and warm clothes yeah. and propane mm-hmm. and... And all of those. And it's not completely over with yet. But um, when the veterans landed, there was also a wonderful prayer that went out to the to the world for people to pray for whatever's in the highest good for the Sioux Reservation and, and that beautiful environment over there. And the Army Corps of Engineers, interesting enough, at the same time decided to. Um, not go ahead with the pipeline and to do some environmental studies, which is really necessary since they just found an oil spill about 150 miles away. I just from, saw that the mm-hmm. other morning, yeah. Right. And and so gallons of oil have already See, spilled in already, the area already, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So so this is important. We need to figure these things out. So I'm just encouraging you and giving you an option, and I think it's fun for all of us to work together. And, again, we're not going to say it has to be one way or the other. Everyone can pray for this, whatever your political interest is, is because one of the things we want to do is to bring our country back together so that we can all be excited about whatever's going on politically in the world for us. And so um, it's going to be general, uh, the prayer is, and I think that we should start praying over the weekend and on Monday so that our electorals or whatever is in the highest good for humanity and the United States so that it can come forward and the world can become a better, brighter, more peaceful, loving, amazing, healthy place, which is what we all want. Every day. Every, every day. Hour, every minute, every Ooh, second. Ooh, every hour, every day, every minute of every second. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're super excited about. So anyway, that will be an, an option for you. Um, so uh, we'll have that up on the Facebook page. We'll get it up by Friday so that you have some time. And just so you know, this prayer... Uh, you can put different language in it when you're done praying. So please pray for the U.S. Um, over the next several days. And you can use your own prayer. You might have beautiful prayers that you've used for your family, and that would be lovely. But if there's anything you want to change in your life after Monday, you can always substitute the language that's in the prayer, like for the United States or our country or whatever it is that I'll be putting in that prayer. You can put in my child, my health, my husband, my work. You can put in your own personal things and use this very powerful prayer. I'm sorry, I don't know who the original author is. It's probably Edgar Casey, but I don't know for sure. I found this prayer in a library in Klamath Falls, Oregon, when my um, children's father was an engineering student then. 
And um, I memorized it. And so um, I've been using it for 35 years. Oh, and speaking of the family, I just want to do a shout out to our youngest, Nina, and her lovely new fiance, Kevin. They became engaged a couple weeks ago while uh, they were abroad. And we just want to say congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. We're, um, Kevin's family is amazing. And we're just really grateful that Mina has found the love of her life. And they're moving forward in creating their own lovely family. So we're um, sending blessings to Mina and Kevin and congratulating them on moving forward in their partnership. And we want to thank everyone for listening to the show. Um, every time you listen, um, you make all of us very happy here. In the, in the studio, and we wish everyone a beautiful, beautiful holiday season and joyful blessings. Bye-bye for now.